Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A masterful movie, certain to uh, touch the hearts of audiences, of all audiences. Remarkable documentary tells the amazing story. This is Bound by Flesh, pardon me. Uh, tells the amazing story of Daisy and Violet Hilton, conjoined twins who rose from uh, to stardom, superstardom from the beginning in the at the beginning of the 20th century, as uh, and played along the likes of Bob Hope, Charlie Chaplin, and and others. It's a remarkable story, and we're joined today by the director of Bound by Flesh. That would be Leslie Zemeckis. Leslie, welcome to Film School. Leslie, Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, um, I, this is one of those stories that you think, how did I not know about uh, these people, uh, Daisy and Violet Hilton? They were they were huge at a time when a lot of people that from that era are very well known, but for some reason had not heard of them. And that's why I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about them and their lives in your film Bound by Flesh. <laughs> Tell us uh, how you came to find out about them and what uh, drove you to do a documentary about them. Yeah, well, there, there, you were absolutely right. There was a time in America where everybody knew who Daisy and Violet Hilton were. They were astoundingly um, huge superstars. And when you say they worked with Bob Hope, they were the top of the billing. He was literally like the newcomer. I mean, they were just so big. I, I first discovered them. My first documentary is Behind the Burlicue about burlesque, the history of burlesque. And for a short time after, you know, the, the Hilton started in the sideshows and then they moved into vaudeville, which was certainly um, unusual for quote-unquote freaks to uh, make the crossover to and to become so hugely popular, but they did. However, when vaudeville died, they got into burlesque. Um, so that's how I first discovered them. And while I was editing my other film, and, and then I wrote a book on it, they just kind of stayed with me, and I really wanted to know more about them. I started researching. I thought, is this, you know, this going to be my next documentary? And... I decided, yeah, I mean, their their story was fascinating, and I'm also fascinated by early forms of American entertainment, right? Including the circus and the carnival, which they started in. Well, well, and that to that point, uh, by the time they got to burlesque, is it fair to say that their their careers were were on the uh, the downside um, while they were still probably one of the Absolutely. biggest acts? Yeah, but they were still would have been one of the biggest acts in burlesque for that era, even. No, not at all. Oh. No, no. And I think they were, and I don't have much information. I talked to some people who that saw them, and they weren't in it for very long. I mean, that wouldn't be the popular appeal uh, to see at a burlesque show. Yeah. Um, no, I think it was really the bottom of the barrel desperation for them well, just to have work. I mean, yeah, you know, there was they didn't have the skills to do anything else or the knowledge to to take this career that had been thrust upon them and they did sing and they did dance and and they did have talent but that wasn't necessarily going to translate into anything they did a couple of films but they're always going to be Siamese twins yeah. you know they're not going to play some romantic anything else yeah yeah and, and their their personal story is so awful i mean tragic and uh 
the mom, uh, the mother was not at all happy with having them and made her, their lives miserable and just got passed uh, from one person to another who very rarely had their interests at heart. Do you think that, that uh, their story has kind of a, I would say happy ending, but it has a, um, a satisfying end to their life? How would you characterize I don't want to jump too far ahead. Well, here, but... it had a it had a better it, yeah it had a better end than you could hope for in everything that had happened in their lives. I mean, because they had been when they were growing up, they were kept by really horrible guardians and yeah. captive, and really weren't allowed out or allowed to have money. They, they had no skills. They didn't know about money. They didn't know about people. So once they gained their freedom, they really had had no way to discern if somebody's trying to take advantage of them. Yeah, well... And so they were continually taken advantage of. Yeah, it, it does seem that they... You know, and it could... It, no, no, I was just going to say, it, you know, as many bad things that happened to them in their later years, as they age also, and they no longer these cute little girls, and as it, it's no longer seemingly to, to look at people in the sideshow, um, they started to die, the sideshows. You know, they really could have... It, it could have been worse, but they luckily ended up in a town, Charlotte, North Carolina, where the people really embraced them, and, and they got jobs. Not anything glamorous. They were working in a grocery store, mm-hmm. but they were given a house. They were given, you know, a, a way to have some dignity at the end and some friends. Not great close friendships, because by then I don't think they were interested in that. Um, but it was better than just surviving, which is what they had been doing. Yeah, and, and by the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Leslie Zemeckis. The film is Bound by Flesh. Uh, it opens here today in Los Angeles. Are, are You're not in town, are you, for um, any of the screenings? You're, in fact, No, I'm not, oh, unfortunately. Oh, that's okay. But uh, no. they're... Uh, but and I we sort of jumped over a lot of stuff here, and I apologize. But I mean these these were really <laughs> top flight uh, uh, attractions uh, going back to that era, and it is a different time in a different place. Uh, although I think society still seeks out the unusual for this sort of entertainment value. Uh, we we're drawn to it, but it was seemed much more prevalent part of the um, of the entertainment uh, options to people. Back in that time, they didn't have television, obviously. Films were still relatively new. But to see something so extraordinary as, as conjoined twins along with the, you know, this, the so-called bearded ladies and the, the different, they call them freaks. Yep. I mean, that's what they were referred to as. Um, Absolutely. So it was, yep. a, it was a different time, right? I mean, describe that part of it because I don't think people really appreciate how, how, how much a part of entertainment. Well, they don't was. realize... Yeah, I mean, the circus and the sideshow was so important. If you lived in a small town, you lived even in a a medium-sized town, you're not going to have a library. You're not going to have a zoo. You're not going to have a theater. You don't have a way to see people of color. You don't have a way to see a tiger. Those were exotic things. Mm -hmm. So when the, the zoo, I mean, the zoo, the carnival came to town, they also recreated historical moments in history. You've got to see everything that now we can go online and see, or, or we just take for granted, oh, we know what that looks like. But that was really a big event, and there were many, many circuses and carnivals, and they traveled the country for years. So, you know, it was really a form of entertainment that is no longer. I mean, there's hardly any animals left in zoos, really. Um, there's certainly not freak shows. 
Right. Although there is, there is a strange little resurgence of them, but not born freaks necessarily, but people who are sword swallowers and, and contortionists. Right, right. That idea, that, well, we're, we're, again, going back to this idea that we are attracted to the unusual for our entertainment, uh, and that, that's, that was the appeal. People were obviously uh, drawn to that, um, to see them, and to say— And uh, we still are— Yes. It's not like that's gone away. I mean, we now sit at home and we watch, you know, reality TV. And, we, you know, we watch these freak families or whatever we want to call them. You know, but we do it from the safety of our home. But it's the exact same thing, you know, looking in on somebody else's life. Yeah. I mean, what is, uh, you know, the Octomom? It's, it's, it's not the same thing, but it is the mm-hmm. idea of, of something that... Uh, it, it it gives us a distance, uh, an ability to, I don't know, put our lives in a different light somehow by seeing some someone who is mm-hmm, a, out mm-hmm. of the ordinary, and it, you know, I don't know if it satisfies some kind of primal desire on our part or whatever it is. But <laughs> it just there's it is a, a and, and, and and you know the funny thing is I don't know if you know or not, but they were conjoined. Would I'm just curious yes. today? Would they would they be separated? Could they surgically? Was that deception? Yes, easily. They didn't share any organs. They they shared a circulatory system, um, which is why you know when one died, the other obviously would and did. Um, but today, it would have been much easier than you know, say uh, some twins that are joined at the head and share a little bit of the brain. They didn't have any of that. Yeah, I just wondered. I mean, it, that's but, you know, a, they didn't want to be separated. Well, and that's in the film. I, I don't want to give that away, too much of that away. But yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. Their dynamic, their 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 ability to. I mean, obviously, out of uh, necessity to coexist. But it was interesting to see, uh, you know, how they carried on relationships uh, independent of one another. Um, it, it really it's a fascinating mm-hmm. film it's a fascinating look into an, a, a a slice of americana history their lives it, it's a lot of different levels uh, of um interest in watching uh, bound by flesh um to uh, tell about how long did it take you to put all of that together how long did this film take cuz it looked like it would have been difficult to find uh, a lot of our time a year year and a half okay. okay so a lot of, okay well it uh, I'm just curious because the footage, the footage. I mean, you were able to find there wasn't a whole lot of footage for them, but I thought mm-hmm. the people that you got to come in and talk about them, who had firsthand knowledge of them, I thought they were were all very interesting, very insightful people. Really enjoyed the film. Yes, um, and thank it's you. Thank it you is, so much. Yeah, it's opening at the Arena Cinema tonight. Uh, that would be um, we're speaking on January twenty eighth. It's opening tonight, um, and um, check it out. Arena is, by the way, in Hollywood. It's a great theater. Uh, and um, thank you f- so much for being here today, Leslie. Oh, great! Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.